0: So, are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast.
3: 2021 we made it uh hopefully we're recording this two weeks beforehand and a lot of bad things could happen uh so (laughs) we are doing as we do at either usually it's the last episode of the year or the first episode of the new year we are doing something that you guys voted for over the thanksgiving black friday weekend and this one was a runaway hit as i expected it to be it was my pick of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids with 72% of the vote. Scott's Not Another Teen Movie had a uh, pretty decent 20% of the vote. And then Brian's pitiful Fired Up got, like, 8% of the vote. Just a a pity vote, probably from Brian
1: himself. It's always possible. (laughs) I don't know how to vote, but I'm glad someone <laughs> yeah, tried to support me. Yeah, we know. Me. You live
2: in Florida. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, political
3: humor part two. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I really only wanted to watch this movie because there was a show on Disney Plus called Prop Culture, where each episode focuses on the host of the show goes around and tries to find props from a specific movie uh, and, like, finds these old vintage practical effect props and they did an episode for honey i shrunk the kids and i was like man i haven't watched honey i shrunk the kids in like a good 10 15 years and you know the scenes that they were showing i'm like man this movie was really fun as a kid so i figured hey it looks like it's fun it's got a shit ton of practical effects and it was based on a story by brian yasna and Stuart gordon yeah, so, like, crazy. like, this has to be good for Horror Movie Night. And, you know, we're about to start recording the episode, so I don't know how the, the quality of this episode will be. But I didn't
2: hate my time rewatching Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. No. I mean, you can't.
0: It was okay. You can't okay.
2: dislike yeah. the movie. You, you, I mean, I don't think that as an adult you need to love it. But I, th- I think that it's like, you know, it's a good time. I mean, and the practical effects still hold up because they're practical effects. And basically anything with Matt Frewer in it, I'm down. Like, I fucking love Matt Frewer. He's so, he's even playing the
3: biggest asshole in the movie. He is so fucking funny and charming with every line that he says.
1: Yeah. I will say something about this trilogy. And there's two actually Disney trilogies that this has happened to. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, everyone knows, everyone loves it. Honey, I Blew Up the Baby as much as I loved it as a child wasn't a very good movie. So it left a bad taste in people's mouths. So not a lot of people watched Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, which I think is also a very good movie. Yeah, Honey, I Shrunk Ourselves
3: is really funny. And I I already know what you're about to say. Are you about to compare this to Aladdin? Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin. The third Aladdin Aladdin movie movie is so much better than the second Aladdin movie. (laughs) I didn't even know there was a third
1: Aladdin movie. Exactly, because Return of Jafar just was a... uh, it was, it a, was movie. a dud
2: dude no like I remember that was like a direct to video, right?
1: Yeah yeah dude. I still think of the Thor interview as a 30 year old man. I think of the Thor interview <laughs> at least twice a month. Oh yeah Scott, have you seen the third one? Oh, yeah. I mean, no, know. No, so yeah. so at their wedding he's just interviewing himself, playing a bunch of people and one of them is him as Thor and he's like, and you sir, what's your name? Thor? Thor, well, it hurts. And it is like my favorite dumb joke ever. (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) It's just funny the shit that lives rent-free in our
2: heads, you know? Oh, yeah. my God.
3: Uh, and, you know, when we talk about what we watched this week, there's something that's been living rent-free in my head since last night. But anyway, so... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so when I... will st- talk. Yeah, when I started this... <laughs> it, it's the perfect episode to talk about it because it's, ju- it's just like the Disney episode of our show.
2: <laughs> it's what Matt's been waiting for for 289 <laughs> episodes.
3: <laughs> the movie starts off with, uh, you know, one of my favorite early 90s tropes of animated credit sequence, which I forgot that this had an animated credit sequence. And it has the theme song, which is kind of catchy because it's stolen. And the composer got sued for stealing uh, the song Powerhouse and using it for the theme song. And it's not like it's an obscure song. We all know the song Powerhouse. Do we? Y- yes.
1: Powerhouse, it's a powerhouse.
3: Power, power, power. house, house. It's a very famous Piece of like classical score that's used in cartoons all the time. That's like da 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 da. Like it's uh, anytime time yeah. that like a cartoon character is like working, it plays that song. And if you listen to the Honey I Shrunk the Kids score, it is heavily that <laughs> that piece of music. So I don't know what James Horner thought he was going to sneak by on this. He's James fucking Horner. He was like, my name will make it okay. We talked about Rick Moranis literally last week with our ghostbusters 2 episode but like is this my favorite Rick Moranis role? No.
1: Is this arguably the role he was born to play? <laughs> <Also> <laughs> Absolutely. No. Rick Moranis is a is a genre and I don't know what genre he is. It's like not slapstick but it's the closest thing I can compare it to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's just his own genre of movie. So the crazy thing is that he was the
3: third choice for this role. The first person that they pitched this to was Chevy Chase,
2: which would have been terrible. Jesus Like, Christ. just an awful You race. know, how did Chevy Chase ever get to be in family movies? Like, he's I not no a good clue. actor. He's a fucking
1: asshole on set. For whatever reason, I know why. <laughs> but for whatever reason, like, Vacation was not meant to be a family movie, but it just became the beloved family movie. Yeah. Like it has so much shit in it where it's crazy that it's a family movie. Yeah. Cause it's know? a hard R movie.
3: Like they, <laughs> yeah. they kill a lot of people trying to get to that, <laughs> yeah. to that amusement park. But then the other person that they pitched it to was John Candy. And this is, that well, also this is this the second time. And this is why I love John Candy. John Candy just seems like a good dude in general, but this is the second time that John Candy has helped out his boy, Rick Moranis, and said, I'm not right for this role, but I know who would kill it. Because John Candy was also pitched the role that Rick Moranis plays in the Ghostbusters movies. And he was like, I don't know why you're trying to cast me when Rick Moranis is right there. He's right there.
1: I I don't think that Rick Moranis is an actor. Like, (laughs) I just feel like that's why John Candy is his manager. We're just like, okay, so he starts shooting. Oh, you sure? Because you can hire someone else and I don't think I'm right for the role. Great, great, cut.
2: (laughs) Print it.
1: <laughs> so
3: here's the thing like i because at the beginning of this pandemic i started reading a ton of books about comedy for whatever reason like mm-hmm. that was like a a real comfort to me and i learned that like rick moranis was kind of like i mean as punk rock as canadian gets i guess but he was like kind of like a rebel in canada I mean, like with s he got punched in the face well this year what yeah that's true who would yeah, punch someone's... him in the face some random dude in New York in the internet just tracked that motherfucker down and was like, how fucking dare you? Yeah, okay.
2: So that, you know, I'm I'm usually against doxing assholes on the internet, even when they're assholes, but that totally deserved. That's that and punch. Oh, if you punch dox. Rick Moranis, you need to get doxed. If you are a Nazi, you need to get punched. Like, those are the two yeah. things that I live by as far as punching goes.
3: No, for sure. But supposedly, so like the most famous thing for a long time that you know, Rick Moranis was known for was like the strange brew thing from SCTV of like the two like drunk Canadian guys that just, so what I ended up learning this year was the origins of that is hilarious, which is that Rick Moranis was like this up and coming comedy guy and he gets hired for SCTV and it's his first time working in Canadian television. And he finds out that Canadian television has a rule that every show that they produce has to have 10 minutes for every hour that is exclusively canadian content and he was like what the fuck does that mean we're all Canadians starring in a show the whole show is exclusively canadian content but they were like no it has to be exclusively canadian content so he's like i'll take care of it you guys go home and like him and his friend just set up a camera and we're like what are the most offensively stereotypical things we can say about canada for 10 straight minutes (laughs) Just to like take a shit on this stupid law that we don't think matters. And then it became like the biggest thing for SCTV was like this thing that was kind of an insult to like Canadian culture. So it's like, you know what? When I look at Rick Moranis, I don't imagine the guy going, you know what? Fuck you and your stupid (laughs) rules. Like He definitely seems like the guy that's like, oh, yes, sir, please just don't yell at me. Like he he seems like me anytime I'm pulled over for any traffic violation. (laughs) Just very complacent and compliant and quiet. The original script, when I was doing a bunch of research on this, was that the original script there was a fifth kid who was gonna die during the sprinkler sequence Ooh. Uh, that got cut very early but Stuart gordon was supposed to direct it yeah. he actually got really sick and they had to bring in a repra- mm-hmm. replacement director and the thing that really sucks is that the replacement director was like yo tone down all these special effects and it's like no turn it up so there's stuff that we didn't get that was in the original script even more special effects heavy
2: I can't even imagine what this would look like if it had more special effects.
3: (laughs) Yeah. But it's – so so. we jump into the movie. Obviously, we all know the premise of Honey, I Shrink the Kids because like a good movie, it tells you right in the title (laughs) the whole premise of the movie. Mm -hmm. Rick Moranis accidentally builds a shrinking machine and shrinks his kids and the neighbor kids. And it's – you know, as a kid, I never realized how brilliant this is. But, like, the idea that this entire movie is just their adventure across their back lawn – yeah. Is like a really cool concept where it's like, oh shit, like in my mind I never wrap my head around like, oh my god, this is literally just them crossing their back lawn and it's just like crazy shit that they didn't know was there. In a movie like this from like however long ago this was now, this was like almost 30 years old, you would think that the camera tricks to make people look small next to big things would feel dated, but they... They really did a pretty good job. Like mm-hmm. like the force perspective stuff actually still looks good. And then like combine that with like the practical giant effect stuff, like building building a giant Oreo cookie or like <laughs> building like a giant Lego piece, like It all works really well. There's not a part that looks, like, cheesy and disingenuous in the whole movie, which is really impressive to me. I
2: agree. This this movie is just, like, I can't say anything bad about it, you know? Like, it's not, again, it's not something that I would sit down and watch of my own volition, but I'm not upset about watching it. It washes over you, you know? It's it's like an adult. You know, as a kid, I I feel like, you know, when when our um, nephew is old enough to start, taking in movies more than I mean he he's in love with the fucking Yogi Bear movie right now and he watches it once a day his parents fucking hate it but <laughs> when he starts to you know have his personality developing and, and we can have conversations about what's happening on the screen I feel like Honey I Shrunk the Kids is just going to be a brain melter of a movie for him you know So Mm -hmm. so I read a
3: thing that was talking about how Disney were marketing geniuses when it came to putting out this movie because of two things that they did was that earlier this year was when Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out. And like Raj, Roger Rabbit was blowing up, so they quickly commissioned a Roger Rabbit short that played. Bef- I remember it's, that. That's before the, the VHS. front of
2: the VHS that I have of Honey I Shrunk yeah. the Kids.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, and it was like that alone, like bringing people who wanted more Roger Rabbit. We're gonna go see Honey I Shrunk the Kids just for that. But then they were like, it was actually a smart strategic move. They were a movie that benefited by coming out the same weekend as Batman, because this was like at a time where you couldn't buy your tickets online so you'd show up at the theater and if oh, Batman was sold yeah. out and you were there with your kids it was the next best option to go see so it was like a smooth second place to Batman for like weeks as like the the alternate to like when you bring your whole family of seven people to see a movie and it's sold out and you're like well shit um, I guess we'll see Honey, I Shrunk the Kids at two
2: you know for a second there I was like who the fuck has a family of seven then I was like oh there are six Kellys, the Kellys. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: yeah, so what let, let's talk about some of the effects. What are some of
3: like the effects that still ant, stand out for the you? Ant. I mean that the ant and yeah. the, sc- the scorpion fight is oh, fucking yeah. awesome. And the pollen, dude, the pollen is—it just... looks so good. It looks like it's—it's mm-hmm. it's such a good effect. I do highly recommend. I don't recommend the whole show prop culture. I mean, if you're into movie props, it's definitely worth watching. I- I'm only the... going
2: to be interested in that if they
3: do one on shopping mall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the... I don't see that happening. Yeah, but
3: the <laughs> but the episode on um, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, they go to the stop motion effects team and they still have. The stop motion figures for the ant and the scorpion and it's it's just cool seeing them still like three decades after they were used really it's so funny because like special effects have when it comes to stop motion special effects they have not changed one ounce from like watching Jason the Argonauts and Clash of the Titans like it's the exact same effects but I love them I love watching that stuff there's even a couple like I forgot how many good lines are in this movie there's a scene with the big b which i kind of forgot about the b sequence until it happened but what yeah i don't know why i remember the ant and the scorpion i forgot about the b you know it separates the kids for a little bit and the the neighbor's like well i know we're still in your yard at least the kids like how do you know that goes, any other yard would have shorter grass <laughs> and it's like this great callback to like all of the jokes that they've been making about how the selenskis just do not cut their grass even though they have a remote control lawnmower which if i had a remote control lawnmower as a kid i would be cutting the grass every other day just like from the couch watching saturday morning cartoons just watching it happen and that's like talking about like this year i'd be cutting the grass watching saturday morning cartoons from the couch yeah we know you were talking about uh, matt fuller and how uh, good he matt Fruer, Fruer, Fruer. Uh, you know, Max Headroom himself yeah, and how how funny and entertaining he is in this movie. And the part that kills me the most watching it is him and his buddy doing their little secret fishing handshake from like the house to the RV. The first time they do it is hilarious, but it's when they give the sad <laughs> wave goodbye. <laughs> oh, God, he is so he is so well cast in this film and there's like a if you go on the imdb trivia there's like a million different trivia points of like he was only 10 years older than the kid who played his oldest son oh jesus really yeah yeah like he was young he was like in his i would say like late 20s early 30s when they were shooting that
2: yeah because max hedrim was 84 right yeah, I think he just aged like a bag of milk. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here, one thing I want to say about Matt Frewer, which I think is very interesting, is the fact that we're listening to an episode of Criminal, I want to say, and they were talking about the time that um, that Chicago TV station got hacked in, like, 1987 that, that or something. That footage is so uncomfortable it is to really, me for some reason. It's really uncomfortable. But they got <laughs> like, Matt fucking Frewer... On the phone for the episode. It was super cool because I was like, he lives. He's still fucking alive. Have you ever
3: seen that footage, Brian? No. It's really weird. It was like these two guys, they never found them, um, but they were driving around in a van dressed like Max Headroom, and they were just intercepting television signals and broadcasting weird messages that were all like distorted and fucked up it's like a fever dream yeah like they interrupted the news and they interrupted an episode of doctor who that it was wasn't playing the on news PBS. it was
1: a
2: baseball game and then uh doctor who. sorry
1: yeah. wait the guy kind of looked like um the lead singer in uh psychotic symphony <laughs> a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i think i did see that yeah <laughs> i think i did see that
3: and it's one of those like quote unquote true crime cases where it's like, the stakes are so low, but I'm so invested. Like, like <laughs> yeah. I want to know why. Who were these people? What was their message? Were they just bored? They how did they figure out bored. how to do this? Like, it's just insane. Matt Frewer has uh, a really great visual gag in this movie that I didn't get as a kid, but I love as an adult. Where, you know, he has this heroic moment where... The whole movie, he's kind of just being an asshole to everybody. But then when it comes time to unshrink the kids, he's like, I'm not letting you test that out on my kid. And he kind of sacrifices himself in case the machine blows him up. But when he gets back to normal size, his wife hands him back his hat, and suddenly his hat is way bigger on his head than it's been the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) The scene where they're trying to decide how to, like, they're explaining to them about the kids being shrunk also has probably the best Rick Moranis delivery in the whole movie. Where he's like, are you trying to tell me that that machine blew up our kids? And he's like, no, 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 no. If it blew them up, there'd be pieces of them everywhere. (laughs) I mean, I really do enjoy this movie. The only... there's, There's one scene that I could have done without. And, like, if that's all I've got, then whatever. But, like, the scene where the dog accidentally tangles up Rick Moranis. And he's, like, spinning around in the room and then flies off into the neighbor's yard is just... So cartoony in a movie that kind of plays in the world of realism, like r- realistic fantasy the rest of the film, it like bothered me. <laughs> Very weird nitpick. Were either of you ever like scared or or like unnerved by
2: anything in this movie when you were a kid? No. The, uh, th- there was a weird unnerving thing. This is a weird uh, explanation to answer to your question, but there was something that unnerved me about the movie when I was a kid, but I don't know what it is now. Because, like, the two times I've watched it as an adult, I always thought that it was maybe, like, the kids swimming in the bowl of Cheerios. So I was going to say that that's that's the
3: part that bothered me. That was the part as a kid that bothered me because you have to remember that if this came out in 89, I was... Probably four, I was four when they were advertising it and that was in the movie trailer that played on TV was the shot of him stuck in a Cheerio about to be eaten screaming please don't eat me <laughs> and like that's how they ended the trailer. And I was like the, the every if you watch some of the old advertisements for this, it feels like it's advertising a Charlie Band movie. Like it, so much of this feels like Disney produces a Chucky e. B film. That scene, like I was like, oh my god, that kid's gonna get eaten. Like I couldn't figure out any way that that kid survives that moment. <laughs> so like for until I actually saw the movie as a kid, I was convinced that a child gets eaten by his father.
1: <laughs> you know what's weird is like as a child. I fully understood that I was watching a movie and like me as a kid, I would watch and just be like, it, nothing would give me anxiety because I'm like, it's they're going to be okay at the end. And now I'm like 30 and I'm like, oh, I don't think James Bond's going to make it out <laughs> of this one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Honey, I Shrunk the
3: Kids, solid flick. Uh, I'm glad that it won. I mean, I was, I would have been content with us talking about Fired Up or Not Another team Movie. It was probably the lowest stakes that we've ever had on
1: one of these because it was a it was a victory for us no matter what won. But, uh, I'm throwing, I, whether it's a throwaway vote, Fire It Up is coming up every six months until it wins. I, I mean,
3: I'm all about talking about that movie. All right.
0: Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll To Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Baby, baby, come, come. baby, come, come, baby, come, It is
1: mind-blowing. And
0: heartbreaking.
1: How many original scripts are written every year but are never made?
2: So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional
0: actors.
1: Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! Alright,
3: so I'm trying to think what my double feature with this would actually be. And you know what? I made a reference to it. Fuck it. Um, I'll go with Jason and the Argonauts. Why not stop motion? Just keep the stop motion train moving. I
1: would pair this with mousetrap. And Ooh. I don't know why. It's just what came to my mind.
3: I forgot about Or do you mean mouse hunt?
1: Yeah, Mouse Hunt with uh, Nathan, Nathan Lane.
2: Lane. You are such a Nathan Lane head like you. It is so fucking weird because you're like, oh, well, that was a Birdcage reference. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> "Like,
1: I pierced the
2: toast. <laughs> I'm going to go with fucking From Beyond because if we're going Ooh. with the Stuart Gordon flick. Um, I'm going to go with something that actually disturbs me, and it's got a sci-fi ray in it as well. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I'm just going to say this up front. I'm
3: under the impression that anything that we have that we watch this week that we want to talk about, we're perfectly fine just tabling for a little bit to just talk about how great the Fuck Mandalorian Mando. season two was. Yeah.
1: Dude. Dude. Um,
3: and here's the thing. I'm going to put this Dude. up front. I
1: want to put massive spoilers ahead because I want to oh, talk to you. Oh, yeah. Two about no, it. I no, no. no, no this like,
2: this is going to be yeah. spoiler filled. So if you have not watched season two, bye. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm yeah. under the impression
3: that, like, yes, we're recording this the day after the finale, but it's coming out two to three weeks after the finale. And, like, come on now. If, you, if you've if you been avoiding spoilers successfully for th- three weeks and you get it from Horror Movie Night, that's on <laughs> you at that point. Like, Like, the internet was just a minefield yesterday. <laughs> so, like... That's on you at this point, but uh, yes, we are going to be talking about specifically the final episode, but the whole series real quick. But man, just I, I think I liked it better than the first season. I'm going to put that out. Oh there right yeah, now. well, for sure. I mean
2: I think that this this season had one less good episode because I yeah. feel like there was only one kind of stinker in season one. I think there were two that kind of just didn't do much for me, except move the story along in season two. But that's not saying much because you get fucking ahsoka bo katan you get like so many amazing things and, and then of course i mean if we're gonna say what we really get at the very end of the season well and that's so someone posted something that i really appreciated on facebook
3: the other day that said like fuck you if you're gonna spoil the last scene of the mandalorian Because Disney managed to do the impossible and keep huge things under wraps in a day and age where everything is spoiled for us in the news outlets weeks before things happen. So, like, you're just being an asshole at that point. (laughs) Like, you're just, like, like, they did so much work to keep the last, like, I would say the last 10 minutes of this episode completely secretive and to just, like watch it first thing in the morning and be like "OMG, i can't believe that this happened like you're an asshole there's ways to show that you enjoyed it without saying what it was that happened that you enjoyed
1: yeah <laughs> i i do i do like how this season i feel like they they threw it out it was like throwing shit at a wall they're like all right let's give baby yoda a name nah that didn't go over no one really care we're just gonna go back to the child he was called Grogo like once, and then it's just like you know what? We're not going to acknowledge that. Anymore. No, but that—that's that, the
2: thing is that that <laughs> Grogu comes back up a couple times. I mean, I, I I don't think that you're, I don't think that you're correct in that assertion because also, I mean, and you know, I am so sick of people. This this might seem like a tangent, but it does make sense here. I'm so sick of adult men fucking negging and gatekeeping other adult men for being on TikTok because yeah. like. TikTok is fun as fuck. It's what you make it. Like, I don't post anything. But I go on there, and my For You page is literally dogs doing funny shit, talking birds, and Star Wars. Uh, it's literally all it is. Uh, and I've I've curated it to be that way. Uh, the algorithm knows what I want, and it gives it to me. But one of the funniest things is, like, there's this the sound from that episode after Ahsoka tells Mando what the child's name is he goes grogu and and the child goes oh <laughs> and, and, and people are doing that with like putting that sound over like dogs when they like ask dogs their name and the dog goes oh and it is yeah. the fucking best and brian to to kind
3: of correct something that you said and it's only because this was like something i learned in the last month and it's You know how like there's things that you probably already knew, but like hearing someone verbalize it, you're like, oh, so Jason and Ashley from Geek History Lesson did an hour long like AMA on their Facebook Live. And someone had asked Jason because he works for DC Universe and helped produce a ton of the DC original shows. What is a writer's room like when the audience rejects a concept that you've done? And he was like, the reality is this, like sci-fi fantasy shows, you have to film that ye- like a year in advance. Yeah. So uh, by yeah. the time that the Internet bitches about something, you're like, well, tough, because like, yeah, that's what it done. is. The
2: best thing that's, that probably took a bunch of fucking neckbeards out of the story is in the last episode, when we have four Female protagonists oh, just so destroying structures because, yeah. like, Megan and I are watching it, and I, she's like screaming. She's having such a good time, and I and I turn to her <laughs> and I go, "Do you know how many angry Star Wars fans there are right now? Like, because they <laughs> hate women. Like, the most oh, the, toxic dude, fandom Geeks, is Star Wars. The, I mean, let's not just
3: leave it at Star Wars. I would say, as much as I love being part of Geekscape and I love being part of geek culture, geek culture is a very toxic. Like, the comic book fans like that whole little like Venn diagram is very toxic, which is what I do love about Geekscape and horror movie night. And, and really the rest of that general family under Geekscape is that we've managed to kind of gatekeep out the toxic people. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, because, like,
2: <laughs> you'd think that that our podcast, of all podcasts on Geekscape, would have the worst fucking fans. Uh, I mean, fans as in listeners. I hate the word fan. Yeah. But, yeah, our people are awesome. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah. But the thing uh, that's just so funny, because, like, John Favreau, specifically as the showrunner, had to be, like, You know what we're going to do? We're going to set this up where Boba Fett, like, helps and then fucks right off. Yeah, Ming-Na Wen is such a fucking badass. And also a really (laughs) cool thing about that last episode is that the guy who is on that ship that they get the scientist off of, the one who has the the gun to that scientist's head, he was on the last season of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Ming-Na Wen was Melinda May. And so they actually played alongside each other in, like, two shows in one year, which is pretty fucking cool to me. Yeah. No, I mean, I I
3: think that Jon Favreau is just, I mean, he's every, like, true Star Wars fan's hero right now. Because it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I was trying to explain the Mandalorian to somebody, and I was like, here's the thing that the Mandalorian does really, really well. And this is going to lead very beautifully into the final scene. But, like, the Mandalorian has been the first Star Wars entity to really be smart and say, hey, we've built this entire galaxy of. Billions of worlds and characters. Why do we only care about what's happening with the Skywalkers all the time? Well, that, that was and a like,
2: big thing that they were com- complaining about. You know, like in episodes seven, eight, and nine. But like the thing is, is that people all want to see like Knights of the Old Republic. They all want that. But the thing is, is that like of the the thousands of years that are happening with. Uh, of, of the actual star wars universe that they've done with the expanded universe and all that bullshit like they're they also have to think about the money that they're going to make you know and so yeah. like it, when when we had boba fett show the fuck up and actually claim the right to be a total badass because i have always thought that boba fett was super overrated you know oh, for sure but then in that that last second to last episode when he just destroys a bunch of awesome like he just he's just kills it he's so good mm-hmm. it's its like awesome and that makes sense that they're like that's fan service but it's also justifying that fan service almost but like if they're going to be putting a billion dollars into a movie or whatever they're gonna or a series or however much it costs to do you know a season of the mandalorian yeah, it needs to be tangentially related to fucking Skywalker because yeah. no I, one gives, I mean, it's hard enough to have, like, Grogu, Ashoka, Ahsoka. Um, I mean, Mando himself, Mando himself, really. yeah, like, he's an unknown character, and so, like, the fact that they've got that to work is wild.
1: Yeah, I mean. I do have a question, and I don't know if anyone knows, I'm just curious. Is Boba Fett just another clone? No. No, that is the so that, Boba Fett. So he, but, so he survived. He crawled out he of fell the, snark. Into the snake. Yeah, he f-
3: he crawled out of the snarkle
2: pit.
1: Snarkle. Um, okay. Yeah. Sarlacc.
2: Sarlacc. Sarlacc. Oh my god, dude! You better edit this so you don't sound stupid because people are gonna come no, after us. You I, know what Star I'll Wars fans are like? I'll let it sit. I'll let it sit. I don't care. Come at me. <laughs> but to talk about what you were saying with
3: with Skywalker, like I get what you're saying, and I do agree with that. But I'm going to use, as I tend to do, a wrestling uh, no! analogy here. Um, but, like, the biggest problem that people see a lot of the time with the WWE right now is that they keep bringing back wrestlers from the 80s and 90s that are, like, household names all the time, which is great for, like, a ratings bump for sure. But from, like, a business standpoint, like, if you're not building, like, instead of bringing the Rock and Stone Cold back every year for shit – you should be building the new version of The Rock in Stone Cold so that you can keep moving when they're, like, 80 and physically can't do anything anymore. And, like, we're getting to a point where, like, it's it's a bummer, but, like, a lot of the people that we connect, like, we're not going to accept a different person playing Luke Skywalker. We're not going to accept yeah. a different actress playing Princess Leia. And, like, to a certain point, we're going to only be able to deal with, like, hologram people so many times. Right, so like. Right you do have to start establishing if you want Star Wars to be this franchise that lasts for hundreds of years which it has the ability to you do need to start building a whole new is this gonna be the Bible? Of icons
1: is this what
2: are yes. we the, is, is Star Wars gonna become the Bible
1: I mean it already kind of is <laughs> like, yeah and we like Star Wars we don't give enough credit because like you know Marvel movies are dope but they have a lot more flexibility with continuity because it's like Oh, that's X-Men, but this is X-Men Next Gen. Like, yeah. they have so many different storylines for all of their comics where like Star Wars is one fucking universe. Well, There's and- one universe of Star Wars. So trying to stick with the continuity and like getting excited like cuz that's all I'm thinking about is like you guys know Star Wars better than me, but who trains baby Yoda? Well, obviously not it Luke. is Luke. Yeah, that's but Luke- I thought Ben Solo was his first Student?
2: No, no. He had the. the um, no, Ben Solo was his last student. Yeah, I think. yeah. I
1: thought Ben Solo was his first, and then he brought. He started the school with Ben. I mean, this ben does take. Evil. I mean, I don't know.
3: Keep in mind, this takes place post Return It's two years Jedi. after Return. Yeah. So theoretically, he could have been
2: starting the school for Ben. Like, there's there's a way that you can logically. Well, Ben add would have been into two fucking years old. You know, like I'm pretty sure that Han and Leia. You know, bopped and and kicked that kid out. Like you know, they he was he was <laughs> conceived the night of Yubnub. Okay. Oh yeah, for sure. Yubnub was the soundtrack to the lovely.
1: <laughs> I will say, and and I know it wouldn't work because at the end of the day, Star Wars are feel good movies. But it would be pretty dope if Mandalorian failed, lost Baby Yoda, and then the next trilogy. He's eight hundred years old and it is an empire fucking Yoda (laughs) that they have to battle. That would be so fucking dope. The
3: big thing that we're we're kind of we've we've pussyfooted around the big stuff, so we're just gonna get right into it. But like yes, it's a special effect of luke skywalker from the it end of return it. I will, uh, it does not look i will no, it, no, that. it doesn't no it doesn't look that good at all but man if i didn't feel something in my heart when he walked out there and i was just like my old friend is back yeah. like it was oh just
2: yeah it's like well did you it just it moves you did you know who it was before he took off before the door opened because N- i had a feeling i i was like who
3: so, so i kept forgetting what the timeline was so <laughs> i was like there was part of me that was like is this going to be Adam Driver? Like there was like a part of me that yeah. thought it was going to be like young Ben Solo before he like Went to the turns dark evil? Yeah. But but then when that hood came off, I was like, oh, my fuck, it's Luke Skywalker. Yeah.
1: Mine was like, I was like, hey, oh, my God, it's Obi-Wan.
2: Wait, he's longer. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Megan was like, is it Obi? And I'm like, no. And she's like, oh, of course not. And she was like, wait, when does this take place? I was like, two years after uh, Return. And she was like, uh, who could it be? And I'm like, well, look at the black glove right hand and the green saber. It's Luke. It's Luke. It's Luke. Yeah. Because yeah. I was like, he's the only Jedi left. And she was like. Oh, okay,
3: okay. But let's talk about the post credits because I mean
1: Ooh.
3: I feel like I speak for all three of us when we say that Jabba's Palace is the ultimate set piece of oh, the yeah. Star Wars universe.
1: Oh, yeah, way better than the Cantina, even though that's like the the go to.
3: Yeah, like you walk in there. You've got Bib Futana. Yeah, Futana, Bib Fortuna. Just sit, hey, Jabba just, <laughs> But fat as fuck. Yeah, he's just becoming the new of the Hutt. Like, just this new crime lord. And then just, yeah, Boba Van Rocket in there. And just like, you motherfucker.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so fire. And
3: then he frees the slave girl. Like, it's like, man, you hit all of the right things that you needed to set up this one. he book didn't of say one
2: fucking thing. That's what's so cool no. about it.
1: Mm-hmm. I can tell you guys my one wish, and I was hoping for it season two. It didn't happen. I'm hoping in the upcoming seasons of Mandalorian it happens. I need John's storytelling to involve Darth Maul so bad. Well Well, he's still alive. No,
2: not by yeah. not by the time Return comes around, I don't think. I'm pretty sure that uh if you watch Clone Wars, because he's He's Ahsoka's, one of Ahsoka's big adversaries, I believe. Yeah, he do, he gets cut in half, but he gets, survives. he survives because of how yeah. powerful the, the dark side of the force is. I only know this because I asked my buddy Johnny.
1: I read, because I he was my favorite, so I read up on him. And the fact that, this is his story. Let me just tell you a piece of his story, and that it's told through a children's cartoon, pisses me off. He gets cut in half. He lives by eating rats in the bottom of that hole. Oh, shit and now half of his body is robot. The bottom half of his body is robot. Oh, that's right, yeah. You could do such a badass, dark, fucking, you know, Mandalorian-style Darth Maul, but like, and I loved him so much that I was like, I'm gonna watch Clone Wars. And then like four episodes in, like the comic relief of the clones, I'm just like, I can't do (laughs) this. Yeah, I've
2: I've tried Clone Wars and Rebels, and I I just, I'm having the hardest time. I'd much well, rather just and, read Wikipedia and get caught, but, at, you yeah. know. Well, but
3: so that's but the, but you're bringing up a good point too because like what we're saying there is like I know that people shit on these books all the time, but I think that these are like my three favorite Star Wars books ever are like The Tales of Jabba's Palace, yes! The Tales of the Bounty Hunters, and The Tales of the Cantina.
2: Tales of the Cantina, that's the one I loved.
3: Yeah. But like all three of those books do this amazing job of like taking these characters that look cool, but don't do shit in the movies, and giving them amazing backstories where you're like, well, I want to watch like, the fact, here's a, here's my wish. There's a lot of wishes that are floating around right now, especially after like <laughs> especially after Disney, well, because like, Disney just dropped like... Nine new Star Wars
2: titles, holy fuck. They, yeah. they just had the press conference to save people from not unsubscribing to Disney Plus, essentially. <laughs> oh, like, dude, the thing is is that I was going to, I was going to let it lapse and then... After Mando season two, but now I, 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 it's give me that drug. Like I feel yeah. like you guys, yeah, that's, that's what they,
3: that's what they did. Yeah, like so. Here's the big wish because the big thing that I'm looking forward to on the Marvel side of things is them doing the What If animated series because like I just love a good goofy anthology series for for Marvel, and I want to see that in the Star Wars universe. I give us Tales from Jabba's Palace, the oh, show. So like you and, know, what I mean, like give could, us those. And shows. They already
2: have a lot of those character like those those outfits because they showed up in mando yeah so it's it's what
3: i'm hoping that's like my big pitch like you know disney i know you're listening so
2: please Um, (laughs) we all pay for disney plus they need to listen to us
3: yes uh but yeah uh so guys this is our first episode of 2021 as you can tell we're, we're, you know, six and a half years at this point, we're fucking over trying to pretend to be cool. We're going to let our geek colors fly even more than ever before. Half of this episode was us just talking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it's Star Wars Movie Night. <laughs> but thank you guys so much for checking out. And you know what? I gave a couple shout outs, but this year we're really harping the fact that Horror Movie Night is part of the Geekscape Network. The Geekscape Network is honestly one of the best podcast networks out there and it's not just because i helped build it over the last 15 years but it has the fact that it's a network that's survived for 15 years is why it's one of the best podcast networks out there so go on geekscape.net and look at like the the insane roster of shows and find some that you want to check out that grabs your attention there's a ton of great ones between you know past guests that we've had on here, Robert Bacon with 91 Donkey Lane. We've got Joe from Fright School's MFK Ultimate Podcast. We've got Bingetown TV like I mentioned. Uh, there's a new show that I will be on the first episode of that'll probably be out by the time this drops called I Love Trash with Marie Maloney where she talks about uh, trashy television and like shitty movies. I was on there talking about Princess Switch 2, The Switched Again. But we've got a ton of great horror content right here at Horror Movie Night and we're kicking it off with Oh. Okay, so yeah, in the you, coming yeah. years, we're going to have some great horror content. <laughs> yeah, but it's your fault. I stand by my pick. Uh, so we will be back next week with more horror movie night.
1: You're listening
0: to the Geekscape Network. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Dutchie, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Baby, come, baby, baby, come, come. Come, baby, come, baby,
1: baby, come, It is mind-blowing. And
0: heartbreaking.
1: How many original scripts are written every year but are never made?
2: So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors.
1: Check us out at Undiscovered Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Free!